It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Went through all of my jewelry this morning and couldn't find any good chains to wear for the show. Ah. Luke Edmund, Superior Sports Talk. I just want to note the Vikings are now 2-0 and straight up when I pick them in the gambling segment. Coincidence? <laughs> I think not. Uh, Rifasan, Pro Football Network. I'm just glad the Vikings give me fodder for constant internet fights. It feeds me and my power grows. <laughs> I'm Luke Braun, Locked On Vikings, here to tell Luke Inman he is now contractually obligated to bet on the Vikings every week. And I'd like to remind Luke Inman as well that he still lost because he had Vikings minus three and a half. It's the Minnesota <laughs> football party on a victory <laughs> Monday. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcasts. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota football party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Welcome in. The Vikings are 7-1. We're talking about it for the next hour on the Minnesota Football Party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Find me on Twitter at Sam Ekstrom. The Lukes, Luke Inman at Luke underscore Spinman of Superior Sports Talk. Luke Braun of Lockdown Vikings and the Lockdown Vikings postcast as we react to every game. He's at Luke Braun NFL and Arif Hassan back with us at Arif Hassan NFL of Pro Football Network. The Vikings are 7-1. We're talking about Kirk Chains, how a rogue ref almost cost the Vikings a victory, TJ Hawkinson's impact, and the value of Vikings culture. We're talking about all of that today on the Minnesota Football Party. And before we get into this packed show, a reminder to download Amazon Fire and Roku on your television. Get us on the big screen for a seamless viewership experience. We're also free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Pick your platform, fire us up. Ron Johnson, Superior Sports Talk, Minnesota Football Party, all of the postcasts reacting to each and every game. Guys, I don't know how they do it every single week, but the Vikings are 7-1. and one. They've won six games in a row. There's a momentum with this team, gentlemen, that is very intangible. Um, it's, you know, whether it was the Nickelodeon slime, um, or the Kirk chains or the post game <laughs> game balls that, that KOC gives out all the mojo, all of the intangibles are in this team's favor. It's the calls that happen in the fourth quarter. It's the breaks that they get, the fumbles they recover, um, the flags that don't get thrown on Minnesota, but get thrown on the opponents. All of it is good for Minnesota. And I want you to try to sum it up, like, and we'll start with the reef. How do you put into words how this team keeps winning despite statistical indicators that this is not sustainable? Um, it, there's two different answers here, right? One one answer explains why, and the other answer goes into kind of some detail about how it's happening. The explains why is that they're playing a bunch of mediocre teams. Right, <laughs> like they just played a, a Taylor Heineke-led uh, Washington Commanders team, and Taylor Heineke, better quarterback than Carson Wentz, to me, that is not a particularly fantastic bar to clear. Um, but they played a lot of backup quarterbacks. They played like Andy Dalton in London, right? Like the, they they played Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson in Miami. You know, I, I think until we see them play a good team, we won't really know how resilient this team truly is in extraordinary circumstances. But you know, I, I think that there is something to be said about being undefeated against mediocre teams. I know that that sounds like like, uh, you know, damning with faint praise, but good teams do beat bad teams consistently and often. And you're kind of in that territory now, right? And so I think that uh, there's something to be said about the way that the team performs late in games, the way that they don't, uh, you know, kind of shut down, uh, the way that they don't let their play calling dictate kind of, um, 
you know, negative expected points play, right? They don't go into soft shells when they have a lead. Uh, I guess they just do that all the time, I suppose, if, if you're one of the big critics of Ed Donatel. Um, and they, it's my and secret, they, you know, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and they don't stick to just running the ball when they have the lead. They want to kind of put their, uh, uh, their, their foot on the gas pedal, right? They want to step on the throats of their opponents. And I think that that kind of attitude is it kind of transmits into kind of these late game scenarios where they are behind and, and they know that they can just play the type of football that they play and come out with wins, which I think is a distinct difference, you know, from last year. You know, I think that, you know, people like me tend to discount stuff like culture, right? But it very clearly, the culture of the Vikings is playing a really big role in how well they're playing and, and what the record is. Uh, Bron, let me hit you with this. It seems like the guys that they brought in are the culture shapers on this team. The Harrison Phillips, the Jordan Hicks, the Darius Smiths, and re-signing Patrick Peterson too uh, may be sneaky important for this very reason, shaping the culture. Everybody they injected into this roster this year, regardless of how they're performing, and most in, in most cases it's well, um, seems to be aiding in this sort of intangible process. I mean, yeah, they're having fun. I think that's more a product of winning than winning is a product of being the team that has fun. Lose three in a row and we'll see who's dancing on the plane. But they aren't losing three in a row. And I, to me, the biggest thing is is O'Connell's situational masters deal. We think about those those margins, those like things on the edges that are you know third downs and red zone. A lot of times, especially statistically, we'll think of it as like random. And we think, well, they've had good red zone luck. Like I've seen that phrase, good third down luck. But they have been genuinely good in the red zone. Like they their red zone concepts are good. They've been earned. They're not just like getting lucky instead of forcing, you know, picks in the red zone or, or, you know, like man coverage breakers and stuff. Um, that is, is earned. And so like on unlocked on Vikings and on my stuff, I've been going over a lot of these and be like, okay, was this lucky or was it earned? And I'm finding a, a lot more earned than I guess I thought in situations where we usually kind of say, ah, that's random. And they've just been lucky. That'll regress. But this situational masters thing has been such an emphasis it's getting more difficult for me to say, well, you know, they just aren't going to be good in a fourth down or in a fourth quarter situation like they were in this one. You know, that, that was good clock management at the end to be in a no score situation. That was a, a, a bold move and it was absolutely the right choice. I, it's really hard for me to be like, yeah, but next time they're going to screw that up. <laughs> I, I don't think I can say that. Um, and I, I think that to me has been the biggest thing that has sort of put them over the edge in all these games that are like closer than they should be if we're going to treat them like a seven and one team you, you trust this head coach for sure in those end of half end of game situations luke inman your take on this improbable six game winning streak yeah i mean the way they're winning it doesn't feel sustainable come playoffs but in the meantime i think as they continue to just improve on both sides of the ball I think it's just amazing, as both of you already mentioned, what KOC has done in this huge turnaround with the situational play, two, three minutes of the final halves and at the end of the game. That was clearly, as we all knew under Zimmer those last two years, their biggest priority when he got here. And it's worked. I mean, they've cleaned up a lot of things in that department. It's also really encouraging to see the way the defense specifically has improved slowly, but surely every week in this new system starting to feels like they're starting to hit a, a, a new gear here as we kind of enter the second half of the season. The hope is that that continues obviously throughout the second half of the season and they just keep tightening things up. Currently the worst defense down in the red zone in the league, for example. So there's some things definitely to improve on all the little things though, that you want to win these close games. Like uh, Sam, you just mentioned on the Superior Sports Show, penalties, one of the best teams in the entire league. Player availability, one of the best teams from an injury standpoint. Call it luck, call it the new training staff, call it whatever you want, but all these things are why they're winning these close games. And again, the hope is by the time you do get into the playoffs, and face some really tough teams, your offense and defense has just improved enough to where you're finally playing complete team football here for all four quarters on all three phases. Something, even though despite all the wins, we just still haven't seen yet. Couple notes on Kirk here. This is what I've been thinking about all morning. Kirk was right. Kirk has said this time and time again, when people ask him about his lot in life as a 500 quarterback, more or less. And Kirk Cousins says, it's about winning. 
when you're 500, you might not have a job very long. And Al Kirk has had a job very long as a 500 quarterback. But he's always said this. He's always said, winning cures everything. So if I win, people are happy. That's how I create longevity in this league. That's how I you know, make people believers in me and, and this team. And now that Kirk is 7-1, and one, despite statistics that are inferior to his career averages, people love Kirk Cousins. Like in this fan base as a whole, how many other fan bases like their quarterback more than the Vikings fans do right now? Like, can you name five off the top? Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, knock those off the list. There's not that many others right now. I mean, people people love Burrow. Oh, Seahawks, C- love- Geno Smith, come on, they're going wild for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Gino, Jalen Hurts. Yeah, Jalen Hurts. Um, but then you get I, into I the Lamars, the Justin Herberts, and, and then you're right, Sam. It starts to get a little murky right there. Yeah. I mean, there's two and on. Yeah, I feel like two and on has to count. <laughs> yeah, that one's that one's like uh, the reason I wouldn't pick Lamar. I might pick Tua just because of the recent results. But the reason I wouldn't pick Lamar is because there is still kind of a, a polarizing split in the fan base, which is what led to you know the two and on thing in the first place. Right. But uh, no, I, I think that they do. They do love to. Uh, I think that even though Joe Burrow struggled early in the season, Bengals fans like Joe Burrow more than Vikings fans like Kirk Cousins. I think there's five. I think we can get mm-hmm. to five, maybe seven. But hey, uh, even though he Vikings lost, Taylor Heineke in a way that they haven't before. Heineke's got a cult following. Yeah. <laughs> even though he lost two and one, baby. Hey, playing a lot better. I mean, Washington fans have a lot more to cheer for now since he's been in. So we got to throw him in the mix. Heineke did not deserve to win that football game from a, from a quarterbacking perspective. That was not a well quarterbacked and his worst throw of the day went for a 50 yard touchdown, uh, which we can get into, <laughs> yeah. but what before, before the Kirk conversation gets away, uh, a reef, I just want you to confirm for me that this is how you feel. Cause it's how I feel. If you don't, you can disagree with me, but we've said for years, Kirk has good stats, but there's an asterisk next to them. Kirk does not play as well as his stats would reflect, and that's why the Vikings fall short. This year, the stats are worse, but I would argue that he is the linchpin behind this success and this winning streak. So again, there's a a disconnect between the stats and the play of the quarterback. Is that how you see it? Yeah, and there always has been, right? It's it's very weird, right? That that you know, Cousins exists in this like space where you know when he puts up good stats, the team doesn't win as much as they need to. When he uh, when the team wins, he's not putting up good stats. But I think that this converges, right? I think that um, the reason that there was a difference between what Cousins did before and what he is, um, you know, in terms of in in terms of winning was uh, related to inherent traits with the way that he plays football. He's not very improvisational. He doesn't tend to, uh, you know, he, he, do, he doesn't tend to, you know, change the way that he plays based off of the situation. Uh, and that has been different this year. He's been more aggressive when the team needs him to be more aggressive, which is not something we see in the past. He's been a little bit more improvisational. We saw that with some of his scrambling. We saw that with, you know, the way that he's made some plays from the pocket, even when he's not scrambling. Um, but his down-to-down play this year has been pretty poor, I think, you know, just in terms of standard dropouts and first, second down. And that has dragged down his stats, but it's also led to points in the game where, you know, the Vikings are behind, you know, one or two scores when they don't absolutely don't need to be based off of the the way that everybody else on the field is playing. Uh, It's just that those other things kind of helped make up for it as well as a lot of luck, you know, things like defensive turnovers, special teams turnovers and so forth. So um, I, I, I think that this converges, right? Unless Kirk Cousins improves in his standard play, in the way that he had been playing before, uh, we're not going to see the Vikings beat good teams. And there's some good teams coming up on the schedule where, uh, you know, the last time they played a good team, I think, was actually the Eagles. And they got blown out, right? Uh, there's some good teams play, uh, coming up on the schedule, and they're going to need to play pretty well. I don't expect him to put up 10 yards and attempt against the Bills or anything like that. But um, certainly he should do better than he has been playing, um, you know, from from drive to drive. Inman, so if if Kirk puts up a clunker against the Bills, just like he did against the Eagles, does the conversation flip right back to where it was before? That Kirk can't win on the big stage, Kirk can't beat the good teams, the Vic- the other shoe is going to drop here on the Vikings. How big is this Bills game just for the trajectory of Kirk Cousins? Yeah, good question. I think... Oh, no. Oh, dear. We've short-circuited Luke. All right, Luke Inman is off the grid we'll uh we'll try to get that loop back online 
Can I pass the question? He was winding up for a great answer. Let's pass uh, it on yeah. to Luke Braun. You can answer in the way that Luke Inman would have, maybe, um, on the, the perception like of this. Kirk Cousins after this Buffalo game. I don't think I can do it justice. You don't I don't want to step on his hat. toes like that. No, I, I do not have a hat nearby to put on backwards. Um, Tinfoil, <laughs> But look, <laughs> Cousins' whole thing is that he's worse than everybody. He's like worse than you would think against good teams, and he's better than you would think against bad teams. Like everybody's a little better against bad teams, but like the difference for Kirk has always been more extreme. And so if you look at this season, like, well, they played a bunch of bad teams and Kirk played really well against them. It kind of tracks. There's a couple things here. A, yeah, they got a couple good teams coming down the pipe here. Buffalo, Dallas, that's a that's a tough little stretch. We'll see if the, if he can uh, excel against those teams as well. But even if he can't, how many good teams are there? <laughs> There's like three of them, <laughs> and we already played one. We're going to get a couple of them out of the way here, and then the rest is bad team. They might even get to the wild card round and play a bad team. So I don't know, man. <laughs> might not matter. Yeah, the the one team in the conference that scares you is the team that's above you, and that's the team that you're trying to catch for that number one seed and probably will have a hard time doing so. And oddly, the Vikings could play a seven seed quarterbacked by Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or Matt Stafford. Like, that's just the way the NFC looks right now. Pitiful Um, quarterbacks. And be favored heavily. Yes. The home teams, (laughs) yeah, could have the the lesser quarterbacks, in theory, in those matchups. Um, before we get into, I think, an argument that's interesting, which side of the ball is improving the most right now for the Vikings and which still has the, the most room to grow, I want to tell you about Bet Bet BetOnline is your number one source for betting football and the NBA this season. Uh, we just had the World Series, so no more baseball, but hockey starting up, we got hoops, we got college basketball starting up, college football, it is still a packed sports season of the year and make sure you get all your lines for all the games at betonline.net. Luke and I talked about the Vikings bills line on the postcast yesterday, currently sitting on betonline.net at seven and a half favoring Buffalo over under 48. Luke thought it would be about 10 and a half initially yesterday. Um, I thought it would be six and it lands right in the middle. Talk me down to eight and a half. I did. I did. I did. Cause the Packers were like 11 um, but that's yeah. where it sits right now. We'll watch that all week, see if it sneaks down to around 7. Check out that line and more at betonline.net, where the game starts. Offense or defense? Both groups have had a lot of room to improve as this season has gone on. To my eye, Arif, it feels like the defense is actually catching on more quickly. Would you agree and why? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you can just take a look at kind of how the defense has played, you know, over the course of the game. Again, the defense has been doing really spectacularly in fourth quarters outside of uh, outside of everything. Um, but, you know, they they had a, a pretty tough time a couple of weeks ago against some teams that they should have been a lot better against. I mean, they allowed 22 points or 20, uh, yeah, 22 points to the Chicago Bears, 29 first downs uh, and 25 points to the New Orleans Saints led by Andy Dalton. And those that, that's just those are not really acceptable results for a defense that's hoping to compete in the playoffs. But, you know, 17 points against the Washington Commanders, 26 points against the Cardinals, which is a better offense, I think, than than either that, that Saints or, or Bears offense. And I think you've got kind of the makings of a better defense, one that's playing a little bit more sound, one that's doing a little bit better on third down. And in particular, we've seen, I think, improvement in the pass rush range, right? I mean, Daniil Hunter's past three games have been significantly better than the first five games of the season from a pressure production perspective. Uh, but also just in terms of the way that he looks on film, it looks like he's, you know, more comfortable. And, you know, pairing that with Zadarius Smith, seeing how well he's been playing over the past couple of games, seeing what Dalvin Tomlinson can do when he's been healthy. Like th- that has been um, some pretty remarkable stuff. But then you've also got like some back end stuff, right? Like Cameron Dancer, I think, is playing pretty well uh, and a lot more consistently. Like I think that the thing with him was that early in the season, he had some of these great highlight plays and then he'd have these enormous, you know, mistakes, right. That would, that would expose the defense to, to giving up big points. And now we're not seeing those mistakes, right. That's pretty nice to see. So uh, I think the defense has improved a lot more. I think if we were going to ask like, which, which side of the ball has a higher ceiling to kind of unlock, it would be the offense. But I think the offense has played kind of how it's played for most of the season. It's gotten maybe a little bit better, but it still seems out of sync. still seems out of sorts. It still seems like there's a lot more for the offense to do. The defense, I think, is 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 improving with uh, with a pretty remarkable trajectory. Luke, your thoughts? 
Yeah. I don't know how much ceiling there is for the offense left because what is plaguing them right now is different than what was plaguing them earlier in the season where there would be miscommunications, there would be protection busts, guys would step the wrong way, guys would do the wrong thing against leverage. And we're still seeing a couple of instances of that. And if you clean those up, you could expect more production, but it's a lot less and it's a fairly normal amount. Like that kind of thing will just happen, you know, a time or two every game for everybody. But in this game, the struggles on offense, and they did figure it out eventually in, in the fourth quarter, but the struggles that plagued them for most of the game was KJ Osborne just getting beat by Kendall Fuller. Ezra Cleveland just getting beat by Jonathan Allen. It was like a, a talent issue rather than uh, togetherness. You know, they're not playing together. They're not, you know, communicating right. They're new to things. They're making mistakes. It, it's been less of that. On the defense, it's been less of that, and we've seen the result. On the offense, it's been less of that, and we haven't seen the result. And I think that there is a, a more clear talent issue. I was a lot more worried about this before TJ Hawkinson. I really wanted them to get some kind of dynamic weapon that could be uh, somebody that, that could draw things away from Justin Jefferson, because as good as Adam Thielen has played, teams have kind of gotten pretty good at figuring out exactly how much physicality they can get away with without getting called all day for it. And KJ Osborne has been kind of disappointing to me uh in in this season so far as a wide receiver three as we kind of saw like when he was covered by a, a corner and it wasn't like a zone thing when he was covered by kendall fuller couldn't get away couldn't win on the catch point um that's just like getting beat so i don't know how much more meat is on the bone for the offense the defense has outplayed the offense in the last few games for sure and i don't know how much there is left for the offense unless certain guys start playing better or this might just kind of be what it is, and we just have to hope that they can make it you know, be enough or that they can figure out some defenses moving forward. I am intrigued to see how much TJ Hawkinson increases that ceiling, though, because when you look at what Hawkinson offers you compared to what you were getting out of production from the tight end position, it was abysmal. And Kirk Cousins has typically been on the higher end of getting the most out of his tight ends, whether it was Rudolph or the aggregate of Rudolph Irv, or Tyler Conklin even last year, Kirk has been reliant on tight ends, particularly in the red zone. That's been a big thing for him. And I think that was a void in this offense in the first seven games of the season. Hawkinson does add that dimension between the hash marks. I think that was lacking. Um, for whatever reason with Irv Smith, and obviously with Johnny Munt, there was something deficient about that position for the first seven weeks. And maybe Hawkinson enhances something. That being said, you're not getting a lot out of Osborne right now. You're not getting a lot out of Thielen, although he did have one big splash play yesterday, 62 yards, um, but he's also not at 100%. Um, so the offense is lacking a little of that depth I think you hoped that it would have. You thought you were maybe going to have three or four wide receivers that you use consistently this year, and they're still not really varying beyond heavy dose of Jefferson and a sprinkling with everybody else, um, does does the lack of offensive depth, or I guess their willingness to go deeper into that bench, is that a concern for you guys, or does the the Jefferson uh, heavy formula kind of satiate everything, Arif? No, that is a concern. That's actually one reason why I disagree with Luke on this. That I think that there is a lot more for the offense to to grab onto in order to kind of expand what they can do and achieve a higher ceiling. I think it's because uh, the offense is just not very diverse in, in the ways that it approaches the passing game, right? You know, if you target Thielen a little bit more, if you target uh, KJ Osborne a little bit more, you're not going to have as many difficult throws to Justin Jefferson. I think the, you know, kind of the per throw production of Justin Jefferson would go up and the total production would go down. And I think that would be a good thing because when you can distribute the ball a little bit more effectively and take advantage of the space that Jefferson gives you, you've got a lot more passing yards available to you. I mean, there's a reason that this is like one of the worst years that Kirk Cousins has had in yards per attempt, even though Justin Jefferson's having an amazing season, right? I would like the offense to be more efficient. I would like it to be able to generate more first downs. And I think that the way to do that is to have a higher success rate on some of these passes. And that means finding the open guy. That means moving off that first progression into the second progression when it's appropriate and declining sometimes that explosive play in order to get that first down, which is going to increase your success rate, your yards per attempt, your expected points, whatever you want to use as your metric for a successful passing game. That's going to help with that, right? And I think that, you know, when we see that Thielen is wide open, you know, Luke wrote a whole 
cool thing about how Thielen's actually open, and that's great. And now he's saying that there's no meat left on the bone for the offense. I feel like he's got to read his own writing, man. Come on. But yeah, <laughs> I think that there's – I, I think, well, maybe he didn't Kendall write it. Ford, I don't know. Man. I don't maybe, know. maybe he didn't write it. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe getting he late. Didn't write it. You know, it's possible. But uh, – His ghostwriter. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what, uh, what kind of operation yeah. they have at zone coverage, Tom Schreier. Come on, Tom. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. We'll, we'll see. But, uh, you know, I, I think that that can expand the, the range of, of what the passing offense can do, put more points on the board, hold on to the ball a lot more. Up. Like, the Vikings have so many friggin' three and outs. It wasn't just two weeks ago. It was this last week, right, against the Commanders. It was four weeks ago, right? Like, it just keeps happening, right? Stop punting the ball, right? Ryan Wright is fun, but, mm-hmm. you know, the best punter is the one you never use. <laughs> and I think that, uh, you know, if we can just generate you know, more consistent first downs, this offense can you know take off in a big way and help the defense right because you hold on to the ball they can't score you decrease the number of drives that are available in a game and make your own drives more productive that scoring margin increases so absolutely you know finding ways to use an open adam thielen and open kj osborne you know being able to take advantage of what tj hawkinson has to offer i think that there's a lot there that that offense can do so one of the central points that I made in that big Thielen piece was yeah, about yeah, yeah. Holden, you always about go to physicality. your first even though, yeah, I get it. Whatever. What? That's not what I was going to say at all. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Oh. <laughs> God, I feel like I'm on Twitch. Uh, <laughs> like one of the, the central points was about physicality and, and like holding and how a lot of the production that we saw from Adam Thielen was that he was like drawing penalties. Has he? I don't think he drew a penalty against in, in either of the last two games. Correct me if I'm wrong, but to me, it felt like all right. Detroit did a really bad job of being physical with Adam Thielen, but avoiding getting called. And the Saints also didn't do a very good job. And like as the season has worn on, people have kind of done a better job of like finding that line. That might be a solution to Adam Thielen. I am genuinely concerned about that. Um, I agree with Reef. Like if you can get other weapons involved and that might be tj hawkinson or it might be thielen um that that would be great and it would obviously diversify things you can't pay as much attention to justin jefferson that's all great i think the run game can also be a, a similar answer to that question um but in the last couple games we haven't seen that and i'm a little concerned that like uh, is is this going to keep going the way that it went in in the first few games? Are we going to get more separation, especially from from Osborne? Um, mm-hmm. Seems like we're going to get it from Hawkinson, and that's really awesome. Um, and can Thielen find ways to get through that physicality um, and either force those holding, start forcing those holding penalties again, start drawing those flags again, um, or just just get that separation? Maybe I'm overreacting to the last couple of games, but that's kind of maybe like what it, it comes down to. Well, and the, the contested catch rate, unless he's legitimately declined, if he's the same player, the contested catch rate would, in theory, get better. He's been pretty poor yeah. at contested catches this year. Typically, he's over 50%. This year, he's, I think, below 30 So yeah, he's below that 30. could improve as well as he's blanketed a little bit more. Um, Before we get into nerdy stats of the day, thanks for listening to the Minnesota Football Party as your first listen today. But for the second listen, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Nerdy stat of the day has the best animation on this program. Let's run it. Analytics fans rejoice. It's time to get educated. Whoa, you're blowing my mind right now. With the nerdy stat of the day. We missed you, Arif, for the last nerdy stat segment, so we'll start with you. Nerd it up. Sure. Yeah. So uh, I've been kind of messing around with wide receiver metrics. I was able to get kind of the expected points per play from wide receivers, but I didn't like that very much because you're dividing a, a positive or a talent score expected points from a positive or a talent score, which is targets or catches. I think that receivers who are good get a lot of targets, receivers who are good get a lot of catches. And so dividing one by the other doesn't do a lot. So I combined that with uh, yards per route run, you know, or, or rather routes run to give us a, a better opportunity 
opportunity score, right? And I figured out kind of the total expected points per uh, route run, which I think is a little bit better than, uh, than you know, yards per route run because it'll account for things like first downs and touchdowns. So I looked at the top receivers by yards per route run, and the top two were Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, followed by, of all people, Olamide Zacchaeus for the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> then it's Stephon Diggs, A.J. Brown, Whoa. Juju Smith-Schuster, Matt Collins, Nicole Hardman, Breakout Jacoby season. Myers, and then Justin Jefferson. I was like, this is weird, right? And then I figured, hey, you know, Maybe this has something to do with uh, with the, the the quality of quarterback play. So I created an expected expected points per uh, route run based off of the level of quarterback play that we were getting. How many expected points per passing play that they Whoa. were getting from their team's quarterbacks? And then I subtracted one from the other to get you know expected points over expected per route run. Uh, I'm sure that there is a better name for this. Um, and uh, from there, I was able to generate a total expected points over expected based off of the number of routes they ran. And this this list makes a lot more sense to me. So number one, Tyreek Hill. Number two, Jalen Waddell. That's a pretty incredible duo they have right now. Number three, Stephon Diggs. And number four, Justin Jefferson. What's really great about this is that it matches uh, ESPN's new wide receiver metric, right? The, uh, the, um, they, they, do, they use all their tracking data to figure out, you know, how effectively a receiver gets open based on context, how effectively a receiver catches the ball based on how difficult that catch is supposed to be based on context, how many yards after the catch they get based, again, on that context from the tracking data that they receive. And Justin Jefferson is fourth in 2022. I think first between uh, 2019 and 2022. Stephon Diggs is up there. Tyreek Hill is up there. So uh, it's been fun to kind of figure out kind of how nerdy these stats can get. But, man, I'm really curious about Olamita Zacchaeus. Right, he's like he's like sixth in this. It's incredible. Stuff. I'm I'm gonna assume that you went to all this work to invent stats just for this segment. Don't tell me if you didn't. I don't want to know. I'm just gonna assume. Yeah, you did I, all the work I, for I that would segment. I would never reveal that kind of information and and distract from how wonderful your day would otherwise be going. Thank you, Luke Braun. Well, mine's not nearly as nerdy as that, but I saw Get wrecked. some interesting stuff right before the game. Uh, people in Commanders Media saying that Benjamin St. Juice was going to shout out Justin Jefferson. And I was like, that, that can't be right. That can't be the idea. <laughs> yeah. What, you don't like the Canadian uh, gopher? Come on, man. <laughs> that's, I like Hater. it fine, but not that much. Goodness gracious. Uh, <laughs> I, and then the first drive, he gets like four catches on him and a touchdown. It's like, well, yeah, <laughs> what do you think was going to happen? Held up okay the rest of the day, but the entire body of work in total, this is according to, to um, PFF's charting, five targets, three receptions, 73 of his 115 yards, and a touchdown, and then the pick in, at the end of the half. Um, I wonder, like, how does an average corner perform against Justin Jefferson in a shadow situation? I'm going to guess St. Juice did better than whatever that line is. Um, but... Even when shadowing, they still found Jefferson, at least in terms of targets, on four other players. They got him on Kendall Fuller once. They got him on Danny Johnson, the slot corner once. They got him on a safety, got him on a linebacker. Um, even in a world where Washington was like committed to shadowing. I think it's an interesting little subplot of every game. Is What is, what is the defense doing to mm -hmm. try to stymie Jefferson? And how well are the Vikings denying the defense the opportunity to do that? St. Juice is Just, such an interesting factor in that decision. <laughs> like, Akuda, yeah, I get that. Totally, Darius Slay, totally yeah. understand. Yeah. Benjamin St. Juice? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Believe in your guys, I guess. Yeah. Got him for I reason. hope you write about this, Luke, because just – Thinking back anecdotally, I feel like whenever teams try to man up Jefferson, typically goes badly. Whereas if you look at a, a really ratty cornerback group, sometimes those teams actually have the most success because they offer the most help. You know what I'm saying? Right, because they don't um, try to get away like, with it. Like Jair Alexander got toasted in week one. Like mm -hmm. they tried too hard to make that work. Um, here's my nerdy stat of the day. First downs yesterday. Really bad for the Vikings. Um, they had 26 first down opportunities. They generated 68 yards. So that in itself is bad. That's 2.6 yards per first down. Then you break it Good down God. and realize that included in the, that number 
was a 16-yard gain, an 18-yard gain, and a 23-yard gain. So they had three out of 26 that had great results. The other 23 first downs produced .7 yards per play. Point seven yards. Well, and I'm an a hole for complaining about the offense. Come on, man. This is I'm not angry at you. You were complaining about me complaining about the offense. Yeah, you said that there was not much left for the offense to do. Look, there were 23 first downs they could have done better. <laughs> okay, get better, Ezra Cleveland. Right. Yeah. So I'm I'm not mad at either of the the co-hosts here. I mean, I'm always perpetually mad at Luke, but specifically not yeah. for this stat. <laughs> I'm just mad at Twitter for getting mad at me for talking about how bad that offense was. It was bad. It was really bad. It was everything that was good about... Commander's defense is, like, better than people expect, and Ron Rivera's done a pretty decent job turning around past four or five games. Like, I want to give him that credit, but that's Mm -hmm. pathetic. you got to do better than that against the Commanders. Jonathan Allen held the Vikings hostage. You can't let that happen. Yeah, well, Jonathan Allen held them down, and Deron Payne punched them. That's what happened. Yeah, Deron Payne inflicted pain. Yeah, in a serious way. Um, so the, like this play doesn't have as much meaning because the Vikings won. But can we talk about the ref ref gate? The back. Break judge? it up! Break oh, it up! Break back. it up! You two, break it up! Hey! 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 hey. hey. Luke, if you had a nerdy stat prepared. Yes. We're not we're nerdy, not done yet. If you have a nerdy stat, nerdy for us. stat prepared. Of course I don't. Hey, um, you want to win six <laughs> close games in a row? I'll tell you what. You need good special teams play. And let's just ignore the Greg Joseph. You know, miss field goals, miss extra points for a second. In nearly every other phase, they are playing really solid. Starting field position number one in the league with average drive starting at the thirty-two yard line. Didn't know that. Opposing teams are starting at the 25-yard line. That's good for second best in the NFL. And what's what's exciting, we really haven't seen anything from Kenny Nwongu or Jalen Rager yet, too. So that's encouraging. Ryan Wright, he's been a pleasant surprise. He's tied for second in the league with 19 punts inside the 20. He's eighth in the league in net punting average, so a top 10 punter there. Had that boomer in Miami, 73-yard punt. Can't really ask much more than that from the rookie. Even Joseph from 50 and in, he's been perfect. So a lot of different elements to special teams. But all in all, I think just in general, this unit has been a bright spot for this team under Matt Daniels. Helped them win a lot of these close games. You hear the coaches call out guys like Brian Asamoah, Troy Dye, Caleb Evans um, for being really good, excelling on those kick and punt coverage duties. So really good to see all the way around from the special teams unit. The votes are in, and the nerdiest stat of the day by far went to Arif. Tell tell Luke no way. the name of the stat that you invented <laughs> no. just for this segment. Well, I'm what was the name of the stat? <laughs> uh, it, it, first of all, we got we have to come up with a better name, but it is expected points over expected per route run. <laughs> expected points Dude, over Okay, loser punishment. You get that tattooed. You get that tattooed loser punishment. Okay. On your right cheek, right there. <laughs> o Popper. What's the acronym? O P O E P P Y. I don't know. I just I was just describing what the stat is, and then you decided that was the name. I explicitly said it needs a better name. Okay. Well, no, I, I say you. That. I say um, you. You lean into it and you roll with it. I I, I say you lean into the uh, the acronym. Yeah. Looks like a character Let's on talk. House of Dragon. I still have to watch that. Luke, we were just going to pivot to the ref play. Can we just talk about the insanity of that moment with a triple team and a ref barreling into Cam Bynum? Uh, Inman, give me your give me your best take. Like, if the Vikings lose, that's all we're talking about today. So we may as well talk about it even in victory. Yeah, so that happened very early in the third quarter, if I'm not mistaken. I actually, at halftime, tried to take the dog for a quick walk. I came back in, and I see Washington just scored on a long touchdown. I'm like, well, that's annoying. Okay. And then I catch the replay and catch up what everybody's obviously talking about. I jump on Twitter, uh, and I almost lost it. I couldn't believe it. Of course, right away, you're frustrated, and then the more and more you think about it, it's like, all right, well, just one of those dumb luck things Poor me, why the Vikings, why us, outdoor, on the road, on grass. Why? Why? Every time. But 
uh, it's always something. But yeah, uh, extremely bad luck. I don't know what else to uh, what else to call it, Sam. I mean, what are you going to do? I think Cam Bynum even said later, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, was super frustrated right away. Uh, then the ref came over and apologized, and then just all right, put it in the bag and move on. It is what it is. The photo of That's that play from Star Tribune is so good. Yeah. It's so good. It's like yeah. the there's no way, based on the photo, that Curtis Samuel catches that ball. And no. somehow it happened. I I can't think of a play. Why was that ball thrown? Three guys oh. sitting back there. Jonathan Bullard in his know. lap. Couldn't step in the way he wanted. There you go. <laughs> Tonga uh, had another good pressure did. yesterday, by the way. Just wanted to point yeah, out. What he played? Twenty-one snaps. There, like. <laughs> I, did, I, I did not uh, comment on the decision to throw it. Only the mechanics. <laughs> Heineke, not impressive to me at all in the game, and he makes a couple plays where he rescues a drive with his legs. But I mean, Case Keenum, his for instance, legs. would be more. More reliable than Heineke in a long-term situation. I think he played exactly what we remember of him, right? I mean, he had a lot of Mm -hmm. hype and buzz when he got snuck into that playoff game. He took Tom Brady down the wire, I think, in the wild card round. But he's like exactly what I remember um, from his time here in Minnesota. And yeah, you're right. I mean, apparently an upgrade over over uh, Carson Wentz as of now. Won a couple games. That's fun. But uh, long-term, yeah, obviously you don't see too much there to build on. I don't think he's any, I don't think anybody's calling him the quarterback of the future there in Washington. No, no. And the interception he threw late, pretty damaging. And um, what do we grade the bowling pin celebration scale of one to 10? Like give it, give it a decimal point, give it a a quality professional score. uh, Luke Braun. So the bowling thing has been done. It's, it's a classic. It's, it's happened before. Um, that's not a knock necessarily on it. it, It's okay to do something that other people have done before. Your your own execution is your own, right? They'll put it like a six. It's a solid proven thing. However, then Jordan Hicks wobbles and goes down as the last pin ups it two points, two or three points immediately. I'm giving it a nine. That was very important. I'm giving it a nine. I loved it. Yeah, I, I would go 9-2. The only thing that maybe they could have done better is that when he was wobbling, a few guys got a little antsy and got up. If they all would have stayed down until he fell, mm. that would have almost got a perfect score for me. I thought that was outstanding. Yeah, 9-2, I'll give it. That was fun. Mm, generous. Yeah, so, so I couldn't tell if you're saying 9-2 as in 9 as well or 9.2. <laughs> no, 9-2. Um, no, 9.2, yeah. That's your I, review. Uh, I... I'm I'm a miser. I expect a lot um, out of out of celebrations. We saw some phenomenal celebrations out of this team a couple of years ago. So, uh, you know, the the standard is the standard, as they say. Um, and so for me, you know, I think that this was a really fantastic celebration. I'm I'm giving it an eight seven. Honestly, I can't get up to a nine. I think that you need to do something original to get up to that nine, and then you need to execute it really well. Right. I don't think that you can be in the realm of something like a 10 without something completely original, without something executed extraordinarily well uh, and all that. But for a celebration that's been done before, you know, I think that this was a really good one to choose. Right. Because there's some celebrations that have been done before that are not going to choose. And it was executed spectacularly. But there's a ceiling. There's a ceiling on 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 old celebrations. And, and this one basically just bumps up against it. I really like it. But uh, to me, that's an eight seven. To get an 8-7 from a reef is like to get a 50 from anybody else. So that's pretty dang good. <laughs> you mentioned some of the great celebrations in the past. What, what's the one that always sticks out to you? Because I don't remember all of them, but I remember the, there was a the, lot the of The first ones. bowling celebration, duck, duck, I thought, oh, duck, yeah, I, yeah. I, that was, I was going yeah. to get there. Duck, Duck, Ray Duck is, mm-hmm. especially because of how local, right, you know, the, the way right. it got executed right. was. But um, Duck, Duck, Ray Duck is up there. Sack dance uh, or sack race is up there. Mm. I love that one. Mm. Um, the first time that oh, was yeah. done, the first bowling mm-hmm. celebration I thought was great. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we we've seen a couple where uh, you know the group celebrations involve like uh, hitting a home run and you know you know going around all the bases. You know that's been uh, really fun to watch. You know I think that there's a lot of really great celebrations that um, the repeat. Okay, so there's a difference between repeats and homages. The homage to the Joe Horn phone mm. call. Oh, beautiful! Oh, that's an all time right. That's an all-timer, yeah, so, man. 
Yeah. So, so the, so that, that's a nine plus for me as well. So, you know, there's, there are some really good ones. I'm not saying I don't give out nine pluses. I'm just saying, you know, we, we have to understand that there's always room to improve. The, He's selective. The, yeah. You, I was going to say the duck, duck, gray room. duck, man on prime time. Was that a Monday night or Sunday night football game in soldier? Monday. Yeah. Monday night on prime man. time was just, that's the standard. That's yeah. the cream of the crop. They also oh, had oh, a good the penguin sliding, tag. the penguin sliding the that Justin Fields. Oh, that's yeah. nine plus territory. Oh yeah. yeah. That was good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we've, we've, we've seen some good ones this year too. Mm-hmm. I'm also kind of miserly. I, I think that the timing of it was interesting because they were behind in the fourth quarter and they still executed oh, it. Um, with Clay were close. They were in the red zone, ready to tie the game, but they weren't exactly in the driver's seat by any means. And usually those celebrations are reserved for sort of like neutral situations or when you have a big lead. And they had the confidence to pull that off. I, d- I guess I don't know if that's a, a subtraction or an addition to the score, but had they not scored a touchdown on that drive and settled for three, then I think it looks pretty stupid. Uh, so I'm going to give it an 8.4 for uh, timing purposes. I think you got to pick your spot a little better. But I like the left-handed form by Harrison Smith. It looks so yeah. awkward. Yeah, is he a lefty? Really awkward. Does he? We yeah. you watched the golf video this summer with Patrick Peterson. Is he a lefty, Sam? Yeah, he's a. He looks like a giant standing over the golf ball. I think he has like kid clubs. It was uh, it was weird. All right, let's update our gambling from last week. And uh, fellas, it's not great. I went o o and one. I pushed on Tom Brady's comeback, so that was big. Arif, you go one and one. Braun, o and two. And Luke, you missed on the Vikings by half a point. You're o and one with fun, Monday Night Football fun. still to come. Uh, I believe Arif was Luke leading in that. I need, I need the over, Say again? which I need the over need tonight. Over. I, I 45 and a half, 47. I can't remember. But all day I was thinking, watching the afternoon game, I was like, oh, I think I have the over in the Seattle-Arizona game. This is great. All right. At least I'll go <laughs> one and one. Look up Sam's email. Nope. Picked the wrong over. So that's great. That's fun. Luke, you lost by uh, a half point, too, in one of your picks, too, didn't you? So you yep. feel my pain. I lost by a half point. Yep. I, I went for an over-under, I think, on Jags Raiders on the comeback, yeah. and it was 47 and a half. Oh, the total was 47. Vegas is That sick. comeback must have had you juiced, too. I, I love. I forgot until after... later, so I was spared uh, the disappointment. I love after seven weeks of one of us, mainly me, picking the Jags, the week we, nobody picks the Jags, they win. Of course. We all knew that was for, for the Jags. Yeah. We should ignore them this week you know, for their sake. Yes, correct. I think one of us has backed <laughs> the Packers too, like each of the last three weeks and gotten burned because Green Bay keeps faltering. Um, can the Vikings clinch by Thanksgiving as the scenario lays out? They would need Bills, Cowboys victories. That's probably the toughest part. Packers lose to the Titans, lose to the Cowboys. Very possible. Bears would have to lose to the Lions and Falcons. I don't think it happens, but I think it would be amazing to clinch before December 1st. Um, odds odds of that scenario coming to fruition, Braun? You're parlaying like five games. So that's going to be in the, in the four to five digit territory. <laughs> Especially games where the, the Vikings are more than a touchdown underdog at the Bills. And then the Cowboys is not going to be easy. And you need... No, you're parlaying like seven games because you need both the Bears and Packers to lose two, right? Some to of those they're going to be Bears favorites, though. In. To... Like, Bears might be favorites they're tied in, with the Packers. against the Lions. Oh, wow. Rip Packers. Yeah. It's, it's rough. That's it's over. And then you the got to win. Yeah. It's. I mean, yeah, it, it is over for the division. But you got to parlay like seven games to do it by Thanksgiving. That's going to be like a plus 12,000 territory. <laughs> Man, if uh, if that happens, I might, uh, I, I might, because it would have to, we would be post Thanksgiving to, to be able to execute it. I might willingly eat turkey for Christmas dinner, right? If, uh, if the Vikings, in honor of Thanksgiving, right? Uh, if the Vikings clinch the division by Thanksgiving, I'm going to. Do something I stand against. You know, it's uh, apparently, according to Elon Musk, this is going to be my permanent 
Twitter mm. handle that you I eat turkey. turkey. I'm gonna willingly eat turkey <laughs> for Christmas, a holiday that people don't even eat turkey for, right? In homage to Thanksgiving and the Vikings mm. clinching. That's bold. I, I saw Kay That's Adams bold, called you off for that. That's bold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she was asking if I hated the country. I thought I was pretty clear about that with the little turkey emoji. But, you know, <laughs> not, the turkey was almost our national with, bird. Uh, turkey country. What do you have against the yeah, Ottomans? Benjamin then? Franklin. Uh, I mean, it, it is a native yeah. bird. I get it. The Maybe Philadelphia turkeys are eight and no. Um, what I think. If what it's not game? Real quick. Real quick, what game worries you guys the most? Forget about the Bills. Is it the Cowboys? Is it the Jets? Or is it the uh, Bill Belichick on a short week on Thanksgiving? Which which game worries you guys the most? Cowboys. Dak like, no doubt, hands down. Year. He's yeah, only right. had, like, yeah. Um, Bills is Yeah, Bills three is home games oh, in yeah, a row. I guess all at home. Bills, but, um, but yeah, the uh, the Dak Prescott is actually actually looked good this last week, which was uh, concerning for the perspective of like being able to beat the Cowboys. Um, and if he is anything like the quarterback he was, you know, year ago, two years ago, and that defense continues to be a top five defense, like I just that I defense. don't see how you get past them. Yeah, yeah, Micah Parsons in that defense, defense, man, is yeah. is mm-hmm. scary to watch. They're good, big, big for the two seed. If the one is unattainable. Yes. That's big for the two because that would be a tiebreaker situation with Dallas. Um, let before we get into party fouls, give me an amended win loss for this team. Seven and one with nine to go. Amended win loss on the spot. Luke Inman. Twelve and five. Okay. Losses, yeah, I'm, where the I'm losses in the same coming? spot. Where are they where are they losing? Who who beats them four times? Bills, okay. Cowboys, as we just mentioned. I okay, think two in a row. W- one of these Patriots-Jets games, um, Belichick on a short week just scares me. I think they lose one of the Patriots or Jets games. And, gosh, I don't know, one of the Giants, Packers, or Bears, uh, even though the Bears or Packers don't look good, we all know what happens when we go to Soldier um, or Lambeau Field. Maybe the Packers have turned it on by then. Giants aren't a gimme anymore, even though – they don't seem, uh, you know, super sustainable either right now. But I think Cowboys, Bills, that's your two for sure. One of the Patriots, Jets, that's three. And I basically just named every game at this point now. Um, one of the uh, Packers, Bears on the road is going to be a tough one. No, I, I actually completely agree with Luke and his uh, shotgun spread of games to pick to lose. Like, you I see these I think nine games? They, they one of those. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one of those, yeah. No, I think they lose the next two. I think they lose one of the two following that, and then one of the five following that. So three of the next four, one of the five following. Um, so, just because it's like, hey, Detroit, Indianapolis, uh, Green Bay, and Chicago are not particularly fantastic teams, but you know, good teams will lose to a bad team every so often, and the odds are still there, even if they only have a 20% chance of losing any one of those games. Plus, the Giants are either a good team or a bad team, or neither. I don't know. Uh, and so the odds of losing that game are pretty reasonable as well. So I think that there is a chance to lose one of those five games. I think there's a really good likelihood you lose the next two. Uh, and then between the Patriots and the Jets, one of them might be able to figure something out, especially, like you said, Belichick on a short week. Right. And this is what worries me. We all assume that there's a good possibility they do lose these next two games. Now you've lost two in a row and you're going into that short week against Belichick. There's just going to be so much pressure. You've lost the magic, the luster. Yeah, now you we can't get to figure it out culture. what's going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that worries me just being in that state now for the first time all year facing that extreme adversity. Uh, facing Bill Belichick again on the short week, which more times than not, Belichick gives you the advantage there. Ron? Yeah, I'm not going to stray too far from this. Uh, like, let's say, all right, they're going to lose to the Bills. Let's say that happens. Let's say they lose to the Cowboys, too. A couple of good teams. You're feeling pretty bad going into that short week, but sometimes that short week can be exactly what you need when you're down in the dumps. True. It just forces you to kind of get over it. Um, kind of, I mean, kind of like what happened after losing to Philly on Monday night. They had a little bit of a short mm-hmm. week. They had to get over it. They haven't lost since. Um, so let's say they'll, they'll go beat the Patriots on that, and then... Jets are a tougher team than you think. They'll lose a really dumb game mm-hmm. and we'll be really frustrated. And it'll be like one of those where it felt like they super could have won. They outgained the Jets by 200 yards, but they lose. Then they got to go to Detroit and they're going to lose a stupid game to Detroit. 
and then they don't lose again for uh, the rest of the season. They go in 12 and five. Four game winning streak I mean, yeah. and they go in hot. Yeah, I mean, losing losing a stupid game Colts Giants Detroit seems entirely. Yeah, and, and that's the yeah. thing. Like we all Colts. know, and Luke Luke calls it out, right? Like we all know, they they always lose one game on the schedule every year. That like we're not supposed to win. It felt like yesterday was supposed to be that loss. So where is this loss going to happen? Uh, Detroit certainly could be the case. Detroit. Chicago Packers, uh, any of those Colts? Who knows? But then you have a Colts team that has given up. They just mm-hmm. named uh, Jeff Saturday interim head coach. They are not taking the season seriously anymore. Uh, Jeff Saturday? Saturday. Giants team. I didn't know hey, that. you didn't see yeah, that? that just yeah, broke. yeah, yeah. Interim coach Jeff Saturday. Yeah. I mean, oh. like, that, that's like a very Jim I checked Jim for the Adarn Schefter so hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Holy crap. Ian Rappapoop. Yeah. Remember um, when we were clowning on the Texans for considering, like, Josh McCown as their head coach? Well, guess what? The Colts just did that. Yeah, <laughs> but like the last four games, the Giants are the only team that's taking the season seriously by that point. Packers will have given up. Rodgers will be on IR with a thumb injury. He ain't playing four more games. He's done. <laughs> and the Bears gave up before the season started. He got a thumb injury. He's going to put himself on IR because he doesn't want to play anymore with these scrubs. He's done. He hates them outwardly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's, he is meaner so, to his teammates in the media than Mike Zimmer Something was about your Kirk face. Cousins. If you don't change it, I'm going to change yeah, well, it for you. Okay, so right? just, just, just a quick aside. I know we're running short on time, but that is just so funny to me because, like, Rogers says these things, right? He's like, yeah, a bunch of people are making mistakes, and we have to call them out. So many people are, are on the field making mistakes, which is both a call out to players who are starting and to the head coach for not benching them, right? Um, and, it, and, and a lot of people are defending Rogers by saying he's right. And it's like, th- the question is not, whether or not he's right or wrong. They're losing. <laughs> Obviously, people are making mistakes. The question is whether or not he should go on the Pat McAfee show and say it, right? Like, that's insane <laughs> to me. Say it to your teammates or to your – like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> How much more them. fun would the last couple of years have been expressing. if Mike Zimmer had this energy? <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. My gosh. be incredible. you I mean, probably come on Locked on Sports Minnesota. <laughs> Few choice words mixed in. Uh, okay, just to wrap funny. this up, though, all I'm saying, you lose Buffalo, you lose Dallas, all of a sudden you lose to New England, and now you're no, so now they're going to be struggling. Here. It's not the same Jets. You're looking at four in a row. I'm just saying. saying all of you think they're going to be in crisis mode here. Like we're going to be like, there's no guys giving falling. thanks on Thanksgiving the way you guys have played this out. Now, I I was twelve and five from the beginning, so I don't need to change anything. I just want to make that clear that I was always okay. twelve and five. Okay. Okay. But Do you have that on record. All of, yeah. I, I remember I yelled at a Twitter person about it. Um, <laughs> but all of you are assuming they lose the obvious games. Why can't the Vikings actually like steal a game from somebody? Why do they have to lose a dumb game? I don't think they have to. So while well, I'm they, not going to come off game. of twelve and five enough. For have they though? <laughs> they haven't beaten any. <laughs> the house, you're right. The house money is a large stat, <laughs> but they haven't really won a game they aren't supposed to win per se. Anyway, I'm not changing my Wait, twelve the, and five because I want to remain consistent. they're not consistent. stealing a game they're not supposed to win is because they're forced to steal games they were supposed <laughs> to win. Games that they should, games that were taken away, and they're stealing. Well, is them it back, stealing then? Right? Like if Taylor Heineke what? stole the win from you and you scrambled to steal if it back. If somebody runs up to you on the yeah. street and steals yeah. your purse, and then you mm-hmm. run and and take it back from them, that is still yeah. rightfully your purse. It was your purse the whole time. Yeah, it is, it is. You're right. It is legally not theft for you to recover your own purse, but you have engaged Unless in the act of property legally. acquisition by force. Unless you sign well, a treaty with wanna... the United States around like 1800. <laughs> Next time on the Monroe Doctrine podcast. <laughs> time for party fouls with that. Andrew Jackson sees party no fouls. problem. Can't get into it fast enough. It's time to tell you who spilled their proverbial drink on the sofa. Get ready for this week's party foul. I would like to think that 
we hired an actor to film that scene with the glitter and the party as well. I just assume that people do go to great lengths to make these little things um, work for our show. So my party foul is very curmudgeonly this week. I like I like Kirko chains. I like having fun. I like the celebratory plane trip. They can do that. The catchphrase still bothers me, though. Like, what? why does Kirk need the catchphrase for training camp, big plays? Why does he need – like, save it. Save it for playoff wins. It's lost all meaning. It's lost all meaning. It was cool in the he's Saints gonna playoff it, win. He's going to change it to you, Vike, that for the playoffs. Don't use it. <laughs> you have to – now that he's used it for a wild card win, you can't use it again until you exceed that. <laughs> Luke Braun's face. When he I kind of feels like <laughs> it's disgusting. <laughs> Apologize. He, he he trademarked it. It's already trademarked. <laughs> he kind of feels like he wants to escape it. When he was talking about it on the post game presser, yeah. I, I got a sense that he was like, "This is gonna follow me around for the rest of my life." And they kind of forced him to that. say it. I will say that. Like if you watch the breakdown yeah, video, yeah. they they you know prodded him like, hey, to, hey, and I don't know hey. if he was super into, but. It's like that still. Just say the phrase, Bart. Say, hey, hey, fellas, yeah. fellas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. I'm not. I'm not saying it again until I we win it. a bleeping Super Bowl. That's how you handle that. There it is. Yeah, right. uh, we my, just want to uh, come out here and have a good week of practice. Like... And remember, that's uh, www.youvikethat.com. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I'm, I'm stealing. I'm stealing He's this party flapping. file before anyone else can. My party file is Jim Irsay naming Jeff Saturday the interim coach. No. No. That's all I had. I had nothing. Then I had. All right. I'm jumping in before Luke and little. getting the back judge. No, I have nothing. <laughs> no. One of us has to say the back judge. No. You can't do that. I'm sorry. That is all one the of the worst ref gone. things I've ever seen. Like Dude, it's what, one what? thing to yeah yeah it's ahead. one thing to like miss a call right things are going fast you, like it's you know split second stuff I get it like even the most egregious thing you know you didn't have the right angle like it's hard I get it get out of the way my dude mm -hmm. go any other direction <laughs> he just like panicked and ran directly at a player what on earth are you doing as a ref like priority number one is to not influence physically the game like that is the training like keep yeah. the game flowing. Just and don't get Stand in the game's still. way. Stand still. Let away. the athletes Stand get around still. you. The Vikings radio <laughs> analyst freaking out at the ref was hilarious, by the way, if you haven't heard that clip. It's great. Oh, I haven't. Okay. Awful. I got to check that out. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to go to the Packers-Lions game. You would assume that I would party foul something about the Packers or Aaron Rodgers. Lions, you already traded away TJ Hawkinson. You had one win. You're selling the farm. You got C.J. Stroud coming out here next year. You got the number one overall pick. Party fall. Why would you win this game? What are you Party doing? Don't you know win. how to tank? You can't even tank right. <laughs> Lions. C.J. Stroud. What do you, this is the difference between C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, okay? Trust me. Are, 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 you, are you saying Aiden Hutchinson should not have picked off that pass? Because I, I will absolutely <laughs> yeah. not listen to any argument that requires that. Fair if enough. If you're a well, defensive lineman, you can get away with dropping a pick. That no was, one's going to hate you for great. it. <laughs> <laughs> it, to be fair, you guys stole my my two other arguments, so I, I had to win. <laughs> okay, bonus party foul though. Did anyone see this was so red zone? I had second screen on red zone toward the end of the Vikings game. Crazy few minutes. Did anyone see the Falcons player pick up a fumble yes. in a yes. tie game inside of a minute left and then drop it for absolutely no reason? Ghosted. And they lost. Absolute ghosted. <laughs> Defensive oh, 340 no. pound D tackle. Can can Just you can you party foul a team for being who they are? That's the most Falcon stuff I've ever heard. Totally. I mean, oh, Falcons Chargers gosh. had to end like that. Totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Chargers don't play a normal game. The Falcons are an enigma. Yeah. They're and amazing. Also, is I also really Falcon. hope they win that division. <laughs> I would so much rather have the Fal like a plucky Falcons team in the playoffs than the the one foot out the door Bucks. Just I think everybody wants them. that, yeah, and I think everybody also knows oh it won't happen. It's just not going to happen. You just know the Bucks. Are it, 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 
the funniest possible outcome, right? Like yeah. the second funniest is a PJ Walker led Panthers, which sounds like it's not going to happen now that Sam Donald's been activated. But a PJ Walker led Panthers doing it is the second funniest. But like the Falcons, like without a quarterback and with a wide receiver at running back, yeah, absolutely, that's hilarious. Let's go. So good. Um, that was a fun show, Luke Inman. Your reemergence after the tech issues. You it like brought this. It brought the fun to a different level. I just want to compliment you for your aura. Simply added I do to it again, Sam. Uh, yeah. Ven, that's Venmo at Luke Dash Inman. Uh, well, I'm just gonna edit that out. Cut that out. Leave it in. <laughs> but seriously, but seriously, you take but seriously, tips. leave it in. Uh, but seriously, I need money. Arif Hassan, Pro Football Network, Luke Inman, <laughs> Superior Sports Talk, Luke Braun, Locked On Vikings. I'm Sam Ekstrom of the Ron Johnson Show and Locked On Sports Minnesota. Um, check us out on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available. Ron Johnson joins us on Thursday's show. Plenty of Buffalo Bills preview. Big matchup on Sunday. That's coming up on the next episode of the Minnesota Football Party on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.